Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 13. Well, this is the week of Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday, and uh, it's the time of the year that everybody ought to be grateful and glad. Sadly, a lot of folks are miserable and don't really know why. Uh, We live in America. We lack no necessity in life, and yet people are unhappy. People admit they have everything that they need, more than they deserve, but they also confess that something is missing. Well, the first step in solving any problem is recognizing you have a problem, and uh, we're going to we're going to look at something here this morning. A very simple, serious question that shows us the sinner's serious situation. All week long, I've thought to myself, you know, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and uh, normally I would preach a a message uh, related to Thanksgiving. In fact, uh, Tim already had checked with me and just wanted some idea of what... uh, uh, what the message might be about. We normally don't do that, but because it was Thanksgiving, he had the video display. Why uh, he asked, and I, I said no, and, and and he said something about next week, and I said no. Uh, you, you know, whenever whenever the Lord puts a certain verse on your on your heart, it doesn't make any difference what the holiday is. You have to just preach what God lays on your heart. And, and I all week long, I haven't been able to, to shake this particular verse. Verse number 23, and I wish I had time to read everything leading up to this. So let me just help you out a little bit with that by looking at things that I've underlined in my Bible leading up to verse 23. Uh, in verse 15, he says, Hear ye and give ear. In verse number 16, he says, Give glory to the Lord. Verse 17, it says, But ye will not hear. Verse number 17, he says, The Lord's flock is carried away uh, captive. Verse number 19, he says, Judah shall be carried away captive. Verse number 21 He says, what wilt thou say when he shall punish thee? And uh, notice in the last part of that verse, he talks about sorrow that will overtake them. Sorrow such as a woman in travail. And verse 22, and if thou say in thine heart, wherefore come these things upon me? Notice he says, for the greatness of thine iniquity are they, thy skirts discovered and thy heels made bare. Now our text this morning, verse 23, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. Here is a question the answer uh, of which is is obvious. It's obvious that a person cannot change the color of their skins. A leopard cannot change its spots. But this isn't about skin, and it's not about spots. It's about sin. It has to do with what man is by nature and his inability to change what he is. He 
is stuck in his sinful nature. And remember, a stream can't rise any higher than its source. And as a result of that, we can never make ourselves what we ought to be. Now, we can organize a government. We can compose a list of laws by which the nation is governed. But on its own, that nation can never live up to the standard, even the same standard that it created for itself. John Adams said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And he was 100% right. Without righteousness, you get what we've got which is, is evil. I'm talking about our government in general because just as there is fury in the beast, venom in the serpent, there is sin in the sinner. And we do what we do because of who we are. And so we look at our government and we hope if we get this candidate in, this will be the solution to our problem. But it never is. Because our problem goes a lot deeper than that. Our problem has to do with the nature, the spiritual nature of those that are in charge. And unless you have righteous people in charge, then you're going to get what we've got. And so we keep trying to improve the situation without ever getting to the root of the problem. We'll try this party for four years and then the other party for four years. Or we'll vote out, you know, certain representatives and get someone else in there. And we keep trying to solve the, the nation's problems without getting to the root of the matter, which has to do with the spiritual needs of the people. And by the way, religion doesn't help, does it? Because we've been as, we're as religious as we've ever been. We've got all kinds of different religions here in America, and yet religion is incapable of changing man's nature. In fact, religion actually just makes things worse because it leaves us in a state of confusion. It makes promises that it cannot keep. And you'll see that in the very next chapter there in Jeremiah where the prophets, you know, prophesy falsely. That's still going on today. And the danger in that is that they create a false sense of security because somebody's going to believe them. They're like, you know, like the con men. They might make a thousand phone calls you know, before they finally find a sucker, someone that will bite and give them all of their personal information over the phone, and now their identity is stolen and their, uh, you know, their, 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 their bank uh, uh, money is gone, and, and all of a sudden they're dead broke all because they, they were deceived by someone. Well, just as we have con men, we have religious hucksters that do everything imaginable trying to deceive people. Well, the good news is that although we cannot change what we are, God can change us. That's why that Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Now, here with Judah, and getting back to the historical significance of this story, 
Judah had so sinned against God, they had so resisted God, that finally it reached the point that discipline was necessary. And so God sends his prophet with the message that judgment is going to come upon you and that absolutely nothing could be done to avert that judgment. And if you don't believe that, you look in the very next chapter in verse 11 and 12 where he says, don't even pray for these people, for their good. Can you imagine being in the condition where God tells people don't even pray for them? Now remember, these are God's people. These are God's chosen people. And yet God is determined in his heart that they have reached the place in their life that absolutely nothing is going to help them except for them to get hurt to the extent that they recognize their problem and turn wholeheartedly to God. Now, that's the story of that nation. Here they are in a helpless situation. But I want, I want to make this personal this morning. And believe me, we're not going to change our nation. We're not going to change the world. We're not going to change anything else unless there are personal changes. And so we need to bring it right down to where we live. And the first thing we need to do is to see the need for change. When, you know, and, and you look at Israel, for example, and that, that was their problem. The, Jeremiah kept warning them, but they didn't see the need. In their mind, everything was all right. Even so far as when Christ came, they believed that everything was all right. As Jesus engaged with them in conversation and uh, promised them that the truth would make them free, they, they said, well, we've never been in bondage to anyone they didn't see any spiritual problem whatsoever. They said, well, we are of the seed of Abraham. We've never been in bondage in it. We're all right. And, and, and until we see our need, we'll never become what we ought to be. If, if you believe the title of a popular book written several years ago now, actually, it says, I'm okay, you're okay. If you believe that, then, then you are a proud, self-righteous, sinful, blind, deceived individual. Because you're not okay, I'm not okay, none of us are okay. We're all in grave danger by nature. And Jeremiah said in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, please understand the only thing keeping you out of the devil's hell is the mercy of God. So we need to see the need for change in our life. Now, listen, I don't want you to misunderstand this. If you're here and you're, you've never received Christ as your Savior, you don't need to change. Now, listen. Think about that. If you're here, you're not saved, you don't need to change. You need to be changed. Because you cannot change yourself anyway. And all of your efforts are going to be in vain. You see, you don't need reformation. You need regeneration. You, you need the life that only the Spirit of God can provide. So it's not about you changing your manner of life. It's about you becoming a new creature, you becoming someone 
that you've never been before. You become a new person. And that's the need of every unsaved individual. Not religion, but they need a redeemer. Now, in order for us to see the need for change, then we have to consider the nature of the problem. And if you're here without Christ, and by the way, if you're going to do that, you have to, you have to look to God's Word, and it's very clear uh, the nature of your problem. You are, number one, spiritually dead. There's no spiritual life in you. You Listen, you might be popular, you might be wealthy, you might be famous or whatever good thing might be said about you, but you are spiritually dead. That's the problem with the natural man. He is disconnected from God. That's what, that's what death is all about. Just as the body with the spirit, you know, is physically dead, the person whose spirit is separated from God, disconnected from God, is spiritually dead. And that's true of every person. So you don't need to change. You need life that only He can give. Not only are you spiritually dead, you are utterly depraved. By that, I mean you are not just somewhat lacking. Because we would all, you know, we would all admit to that, wouldn't we? Well, yeah, you know, none of, you know, I'm not a Christian, but none of us are really perfect. And, you know, while I'm really bad in some areas, I, you know, I'm not so bad in others. No, listen, you are totally depraved. Every area of your life is sinful through and through. The Bible even says the plowing of the wicked is sin. Everything about you is sinful if you're not saved. Not only that, you are habitually disobedient. To God, the highest authority in the universe, and you ignore Him. You are sadly deprived because sin is a thief. It'll take everything that you've got. You are driven by, by demons. The Bible says you're taken captive by Him at His will. And so you're unable to change yourself. You're unable to control yourself. You're horribly deceived and deservedly doomed as a result of it. You know, we talk about, boy, I just, I just want to get a life what I deserve out of life. No, none of us deserve anything. If you got what you deserved, it would be eternity in the devil's hell. That's what you are by nature. That's what I'm talking about. You've seen the nature of the problem because until you see the nature of the problem, you'll never see the need for change. And this was the problem with Israel. They were listening to the false prophets. Jeremiah comes along and he says, judgment is going to come upon you because of your sinfulness. And, and the false prophets came along. Listen, they far outnumbered the true prophets of God. So, you know, they, the people could look at them and say, well, yeah, but Jeremiah, the majority of the preachers don't agree with you. I mean, you must be mistaken. After all, we're the children of Abraham. After all, we are God's chosen people. And you surely can't expect us to be absolutely, totally perfect in any way. And surely God's not going to bring judgment upon us. And you see, that's, that was their attitude. They did not see the need for change because they did not understand the nature of the problem. And that is that they were in a situation where just as the Ethiopian could not change the color of his skin, just as the leopard could not change its spots, he's saying to them, neither can you change yourselves. 
There's no way that you can improve upon yourselves or change yourself or make you yourself acceptable. So we need to understand that the great need for us is to experience a change because whenever that happened, Uh, The new birth causes us to start loving God instead of hating God. We start obeying God instead of disobeying God. We start trusting God rather than running from God. That's the change that needs to happen. Now, that brings us down to the necessity for change. Now, don't misunderstand. You say, well, I thought you just covered that. No, I'm talking about the necessities for change. I'm talking about what brings the change about. We see the need for change and we see the nature of the problem that causes the need for change. But but what are the necessities to bring this change about? A lot of people got a lot of different ideas. A lot of folks, you know, they would claim that education is the answer. All you really need to do is just get the kids out of the ghettos, get them in school, give them a good education, give them enough welfare checks, you know, to support to support them throughout their life and what have you. And eventually, you know, they'll they'll wake up to what their needs are and they'll become the kind of person that they ought to be. But that hasn't worked so well, has it? And by the way, it never will work. Just educating the mind does not change our sinful nature. Just reforming, we put people in prison as a result of the fact they have no respect for our laws. We put them in there, they tell us, not only to punish them, but we put them in there to correct them. We talk about correctional officers, you know, that are overseeing those that are incarcerated. So it's with the hope that we'll correct them and, and you know, they can get out of prison, become productive members of society again. Well, how's that working? Well, it's not working very well because we can't build prisons fast enough, can we? That's not working. Why? None of those things work because none of those things get down to changing the nature of man. And there's only one thing that can do that, and that is salvation. And that salvation comes in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen, you can't make the needed change, but you are involved in that change being made. Let me explain it this way. You cannot do anything to save yourself, but God is not going to save you apart from your willingness to trust Him. That's why the Bible tells us that that salvation requires repentance and faith on our part. To repent means, and somebody says, well, yeah, but, you you know, if you've got to repent of your sins, that means you've got to quit cussing, quit drinking, quit stealing. You've got to change everything about your life. But that's not what repentance is about. Repentance is not just a matter of changing your life. Because in the first place, you could never change yourself to the extent that it would make you acceptable to God. Repentance means a change of mind. But you say, well, I thought if somebody repented, they changed. They do. 
They do, but they change as a result of the change of their mind. And so when we repent, we change our mind about self and sin and the Savior. And we change our mind, and as a result of that, then we exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive Him by faith, and we're born by the Spirit of God. He does a work in us and brings us spiritual life. That's what changes our nature. That's what makes us a new creature. The moment we get saved, all of a sudden we become somebody that we've never been before. We have a new nature. And nothing you ever do is going to solve the problem you have of a sinful nature until you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. But listen, that makes it possible. But that does not make it automatic. The moment that you're saved and you receive a new nature, and we're talking about now, we're talking about you and I living our life in a way that we can overcome, conquer, change our former manner of living. Notice again what he says here in verse 23. He said, you know, if the Ethiopian could change the color of his skin, if the leopard could change his spots, then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. Notice, accustomed to do evil. What does that mean? That, That means what they do habitually, the manner of life that they've been living. If the leopard can change its spots and the Ethiopian the color of his skin, well, then, then you know, if, if they can do that, well, then you can change your old manner of life, but, but you can't. And note, notice in verse 27, he says, Wilt thou, will thou not be made clean? Notice he didn't say anything about making yourself clean because we couldn't. He's not talking about us changing, making ourselves presentable. He's talking about being made clean. That's salvation, and it's the Lord that does the cleansing. It's the Lord that does the changing. And now salvation makes change possible, but until we and unless we submit ourselves to the Spirit of God, we never live up to our full potential. That's why I've often said it's possible for a Christian to commit any sin. You, you can be a Christian and get drunk. You won't do it all the time, but you could do it. You could just get so, you, maybe you're sitting here and you think, oh boy, I'd never do anything like that. You don't, you don't know what you would do given a certain set of circumstances. That you could get so, so beaten down, so depressed, so miserable, so frightened, or whatever, it is so overwhelmed by temptation that you are liable to do something that you never dreamed you would do. Don't you dare say, I would never do that. The Bible warns us about that. That kind of pride is the very thing that leads to our fall. It's whenever we realize that even though that we have been saved and even though we've been changed, we now have a new nature, a new nature that has a desire to do what is right. Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 7, didn't he? That struggle that was going on within him. He said, the things that I wouldn't do, I find myself doing the things I would do, I do not. There's this struggle going on. Listen, that is a battle that every single Christian 
is facing. And, and, and it's going to be that way till the day that you die. You're never going to become so spiritually mature, so spiritually strong that, that, that all of a sudden that you'll never have those temptations to do wrong. It's always going to be that way until you receive a glorified body. So our only safeguard is what? Our only safeguard is for us to yield or surrender ourselves to the Lord because whatever God's Word demands, the Holy Spirit provides. So if God says to do this or to do that, that's exactly what He enables us to do. I'm glad that God enables us to do everything He commands. Uh, Otherwise, it'd be impossible. You see, the Christian life, the Christian life is to be a miracle life. We are called to live a life above and beyond that which we are able in and of ourselves. And if you're here today and if you're a child of God, understand that you're either going to be defeated or you're going to be victorious. And it depends not on the circumstances around you, but it depends on the spirit within you because he is the change agent. He is the one that makes the difference. It's never, ever, you know, somebody says, well, well you know, I, I look at this Christian or that Christian and I, I wish I wish I had the willpower they did. I wish I could, you know, quit this and quit that and do this or that. Look, it's, it's not a matter of them being able to do it. It's a matter of them recognizing they can never live the kind of life that they should, and they cast themselves on the mercy of the Lord and trust the Spirit of God to change them and to enable them. He's the one that enables us. Let me tell you, whatever it is you're facing, whether it is the temptation of the flesh or whether it is some trial that you're going through, some difficulty that you've experienced, and you just think to yourself, I cannot bear up under this any longer. Believe me, with God's help, All things are possible, everything, but it depends on our willingness to surrender ourselves to God's will for our life. No, we can't, we can't change the world. We can't even change ourselves, but we can all be changed as a result of us trusting Christ as our Savior. Do you know him? as your Savior, here in just a little while, you're going to, some of you are going to, going to be surprised. Some of you are going to be shocked because just this week, the other night I'd gone to bed, had the phone laying there, and all of a sudden I heard the signal for a text message. And, and you know, you always think, oh, no. What, who's died? What has happened? So I picked up the phone, and I looked at the text, and uh, and you're going to have to wait to find out. <laughs> but you'll find out right now, because we're going to give an invitation. And it just might be that you're here today, and you have tried, and you have tried, and you've tried, and you are so weary with the struggle of it all. That, you know, and I've heard people say, you know, I tried religion one time and it didn't work for me. Well, that's the problem. You tried religion. You need, you need to trust Jesus. Because he, he always, he always keeps his promise.
Let's all stand together. Father, we thank you for not only the ability that you have to change our very nature, to make us somebody that we've never been before, to give us new desires. Uh, and, and we thank you for that changing our very manner of life. We're so thankful that you're able, that you're willing. And we just pray this morning, Lord, for that man, woman, some boy or girl that's here that's never received Christ as their Savior. And I pray this might be the very day that they would do so. Help them to realize the futility of trying to, trying to become the person that they need to be. Help them to realize the utter impossibility of that and that they simply need to put their trust in you this morning. In Jesus' name. Now as we stand and sing, if God is speaking to your heart about something, would you come? Just as I am without one figured out who I was talking about and uh, the text was from Jason and uh, you know I, 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 didn't, I, thought, I didn't know whether he was doing his police work or something that had happened you know uh, there but anyway I looked at it and it said Kristen just got saved this was mid, midnight on, on Wednesday night and by the way somebody else had got saved earlier that evening and, and uh, I think he's going to be baptized tonight and uh, wow, uh, you know, the shock of it, because I mean, after all, Kristen, I mean, she was raised in church. She's, uh, you know, been faithful in church and, and all that. She knows all about that, has since she's a little kid. And yet, uh, even knowing all of that, had never really trusted Christ as her Savior. And so she's coming this morning. To follow the Lord in baptism, I guess everybody be for that. Amen, amen. And so we're going to let her go to the dressing room, and and I'll be up there in just in just a minute. Uh, but I, I want you to I want you to pray because Christian just told me, and I won't even mention who, but we've got two other young ladies out in the hall somewhere right now that just has just said something about not being saved so uh, both of them happen to be 
grandkids too, my grandkids, our grandkids. And uh, so I, I want you to pray that whatever's going on there, that uh, that the, the Lord will get the victory in that and His will will be done. Brother Kenneth, I'm going to turn the service over to you and uh, you can do as God leads and I'm going to go up and get ready for the baptism. Just as I am, no tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without, holy of God. I come just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, of faith when they're young and some people don't understand that it gives some people a weird feeling I tell you what I've known some Christians that they did struggle with that several times maybe made several professions of faith but there was a time that it was real and it stuck and they served the Lord for the rest of their lives so we don't need to get too much caught up in those kind of thoughts of that I'm just so thankful that when Jesus saves he he truly saves and it's forever so thankful that God is so faithful to let us know when we're when it hasn't been true. He's amazing. Praise him. Are you saved today? Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee O Lamb of God I come I come just as 
give Christian just a few minutes if you've got time to hang around and, and uh, congratulate her on this wonderful day in her life. So, Tim, maybe sing a verse of the song and then y'all can dismiss in prayer. Musicians, where y'all at? Is that, oh, you over there. All right. All right. You already know where we're going, right? Gonzo? All right. I'll fly away. Y'all stand with me, please. You can sit all afternoon. All right. Here we go. Sing out with me. I'll fly away. 554. You don't know that by heart. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away in the morn when I die. Hallelujah, by and by. I'll fly away when the shadows of this life have gone. I'll fly away, amen. Like a bird from prison bars has flown. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away in the morning. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. To a land where joy shall never end, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away in the morn when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Hey, Matthew, if you would go back to the very beginning of the song, I just want to hear your voices sing this this morning. Let's sing out a cappella, the very first verse. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away, amen, to a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. What a good day. What an exciting day. And, uh, and then to think about the fact that the best is still yet to come. And uh, we're just so thankful for God's blessings. And, you know, we, Jason made a comment the other night. He said there, uh, after Christian had been saved, he said, you know, and speaking from his own experience of what he went through, and he said there must be so many more. And... Uh, you know, I, probably just about every pastor is convinced of that. In the average church, there must be so many that, that have made a profession of faith without having really actually received Christ as their Savior. One of, 
I'm saying all that for a reason. I think one of the big hindrances is, and someone just alluded to it a minute ago, is the fact, you know, we worry about what will people think because I made a profession of faith maybe two, maybe three, or maybe they're going to think because so-and-so did, I did, and, and consequently it, it, it holds them back from, from doing what they really deep down know that they should. So whatever you do, don't you dare let uh, what somebody else might think because believe me, uh, anybody here whose heart is right with God, nothing would make them happier than to, than to see you trust Christ as your Savior. Let's bow together Jason Leith, and we want to thank the Lord. God just gave Jason a brand new job, answered, answered our prayers. We're thankful. We're going to ask Jason to uh, close our service in prayer, and Christian's going to come stand right here. You come by and, uh, and uh, congratulate her. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for what a special day 